You're listening to episode 162, Talk About Creating a Strong Adaptive Brand with my guest, Kaylee Wees. Kaylee is an endless creator, visual brand educator, entrepreneur, and public speaker. She has worked her entire career helping creatives find their visual voice. Her focus remains on branding and providing resources and services to help small businesses share their company's uniqueness visually. She's also a longtime event business owner, founding Meldine in 2008, a luxury event branding and paper goods company focused on designing unique touch points throughout the event experience. Throughout her work, she has been featured in the Huffington Post, the New York Times, Entrepreneur, Fortune, Martha Stewart Weddings, Grace Armand, and has shared trends at Wedding Pro Workshops, Wedding MBA, Cater Source, WIPA, ILEA, and other niche creative workshops across the country. Today, she continues her primary focus of sharing her message of strategic brand techniques across the country through one-on-one -on -one brand audits, free webinars and challenges, and her membership community, Brand Magic Society. Today, Kaylee is with us to talk all about brand scaling and how to create a strong adaptive brand. If you're looking to add a new service or offering to your brand reputation or how to emotionally resonate with your next tier of client, this is the episode for you. Friends, go get that coffee, get that tea. Hell, it's December, get the champagne and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hey friends, can you believe it's December already? Raise your hand if you're exhausted. <laughs> well, you're not alone. If you're feeling like you don't want 2023 to be a carbon copy of 2022, my annual goal setting workshop, Bizish, is for you. Bizish is meaningful and magical goal setting. And it is a live taught workshop that we run every January. 2022 is a year that for most of us will be remembered as the year we truly understood exhaustion, physical, mental, and emotional. And I believe we need a reset. We need to shed 2022 and look ahead to what we need to do to get motivated and inspired again. And if I've learned anything from the past three years, it's that working on my business and setting big goals is always important work, despite all the things we cannot control. I always have my own back and you should have yours too. I also know more than ever that we are better together as a community. So let's gather virtually and get to work. Biz-ish is a live taught workshop that starts January 2nd and runs three weeks in January and includes quarterly accountability calls with yours truly. This is the same exact work that I do for myself and my business every single year. I've done it every year and every year I reach my goals, hit my financial targets and grow my business to support my life, even through a pandemic. So join me for a few transformative weeks of this workshop. You'll be surprised how much doing this intentional work now will reap benefits for you all year long. Go to reneedallo.com forward slash biz, that's B-I-Z, to register now. I hope to see you in class on January 2nd. Now, on with the show. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow, and this week I am joined by a very special repeat guest, Kaylee Wise. Kaylee, how are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to have you back. We were talking offline about... I think the last time you were here was pre-pandemic. 
It was. And I feel like, aren't we always preparing for the next phase of our brand, though? We just didn't know. (laughs) We needed a whole overhaul. Because I think many listeners probably have a very different looking business, uh, probably for the better, to be honest, if you held with it and pushed forward. And here we are to talk about who you are on the other side. It's true. I think about that 2020, that late 2019 and early 2020, and like just the hubris of us all, like, this is going to be the best year ever best year yet and you know i think you're right in some ways like my business is very different than it was but better for it in a way i mean at least that's why i like how i like to think of it you know i would completely agree i think it made us uncomfortable in a way where we really leaned into what it is we wanted and how we wanted to spend our time and i feel like even on the other side for me i feel so empowered saying the word no (laughs) because i know what it looks like (laughs) to have a personal life um but also understanding like what feeds our soul right and i think that as we move forward figuring out how do we change the narrative of probably the brand many people have had for many years you know what does it look like in this next chapter and what are we choosing for it to look like Agreed. So when we talk about how to create a strong adaptive brand, I think you, I think you covered it mostly, but just to, so people, people like to email me and say, but what, I want to know more about the point of the episode. <laughs> what, do you, what do you consider an adaptive brand? Oh gosh. I mean, for me, I have been an entrepreneur my whole career. So for the last 18 years, I've ridden the waves and the roller coaster uh, of solo entrepreneurship. Um, And I feel like we have to understand where it is that we hold strong, um, but also where are the areas that we kind of do become adaptable? Where do we change the narrative? I was just on a call this morning uh, having the debate of when is a full rebrand necessary? And for me, I really think that's never really the answer but what does it mean to have a polish or evolve or make sure that you're showcasing yourself in a way that is showcasing and shining light on what it is that you actually want to do the most of right and so i think that becomes how we kind of ride the waves but we also like choose our path (laughs) at the same time um and as you know you know renee but for our listeners you know your brand is what other people say it is and so for us to determine how to have an adaptable brand that is really us controlling the narrative of how we are known in our local market. Even with the pandemic, I know so many planners who previously were offering planning and floral and through the pandemic decided, I don't like planning, I love floral, I'm going all in for floral. So how does that change their brand, right? Um, Or photo adding video or DJs determining I wanna do more MC work and less actual music, whatever it might be. I think you know we as small business owners sometimes forget that we have the power to be who we want to be and show up how we want to be and part of that is understanding that we have full control over how we can make our brands known and and under what reputation right so um yeah that's why i'm excited to have this conversation today yeah no me too and i love the you know like just a reminder like we do have full control over how we are received sometimes just by what we put out there and i think just going back to what you had said earlier about like, when do you know, is it time for a full rebrand? Well, I think if it's like, if you're burning it down and starting over, you're way past time. Like if that's uh-huh. what you have to do to get to get right. Cause uh-huh. I did it, I totally did it. I let my first website go for so long. And finally I was like, oh my God, I'm booking all the wrong clients. Like, what am I doing wrong? And it was like, duh, it, this website, you've outgrown this website 10, you know, not 10 years ago, but like you've outgrown this website tenfold, right? So. I'm all about the refresh. Yeah, so much of it is honestly self-reflection. And we can talk about that. But I think when you really understand 
you know, as your business evolves and your clientele evolves and their price points evolve, like what is keeping them up at night, right? Like how are you truly yes. understanding how to emotionally resonate with them? And sometimes that is, you know, okay, for the longevity of my business for the next decade or two decades, I do need to make some changes, right? Like sometimes that is yeah. critical. But for the most part, I think people jump to conclusion to have the most flashy or sexiest brand in their market. <laughs> and right. really, they're doing themselves a disservice. But then even on the basic level, for anyone who's listening, who's just starting their business, I think the hardest part is branding yourself. And the hardest part is, you know, just putting yourself out there because your brand is very vulnerable. It's a reflection of you. And sometimes you just have to get started and then if you need to scratch it a year in you can scratch it a year in um, but ultimately I think really being intentional about the decisions that you're making and your branding and your marketing which is you know your logo and how you're putting yourself out there is really what's going to stand the test of time so that you don't have to question it or or worry that am I putting out myself in a way that's resonating the best that I can yeah my question for you is as we come off of this year which for many has been bananas, you know? I mean, like this wedding boom has really put people um, to the test, you know? And I think so many people, myself included, spent a lot of the year just getting through. At the end of this year, as we look back on our businesses, like what would you say to someone who's like, I don't know, something just feels off. Like, how do I, if I want to change, like how do I take the space to really look deeply, you know? Yes, <laughs> recalibration. Exactly. I think, uh, I mean, I know even myself, there's been a couple of times at the end of this year where I'm just like, oh my gosh, when I get that opportunity to take a deep breath and look around me of like, where am I, where are my feet, right? Like where, where am I at and what am I doing and who are my clients I'm working with and reminding myself like, okay, what choices am I making moving forward? Um, I think, you know, there's two different things kind of happening. One, I'm seeing um, inquiries slow down and that's definitely, um, you know, in conversations that I'm having concerning for people. But as a reminder, like what we just experienced is not normal. <laughs> there is <Right>. no normal <laughs> about the wedding right. bum. That was right. very unusual. Um, and so, you know, what is more normal is shorter engagements and it is more intentionality. And it is, you know, to be honest, like you're not just a, an available vendor on the date that they want. They're they, We want them to choose you because you're the perfect fit for them. And so, um, you know, for us moving forward, not feeling concerned about you know, some of the open dates perhaps still on our calendar going into 23. But I also think it's important to use this time to not book too far in the future either. You know, with an average engagement period of, I think, 15 months is what the knot has said. You know, with that being said, you know, that's dictating what our business is going to be like in a year and a half from now, which is a wild thing, right? So yeah. really thinking about like, okay, you know, do what days do I really want to take off? Like taking control of our calendars back, I think is a huge thing. Um, and setting the boundaries and systems in place, I think going into the this kind of holiday season and, and going into next year with intention of like, okay, who do I truly want to lean into and for people to feel like I'm the best fit for them. And I think the more that we can emotionally connect and resonate, um, is a really powerful thing. I will say that I've been doing branding for the last 18 years, and I think that there has been a disservice, however, to niching down in a way that is gender, is age demographic, is specific uh, socioeconomic components. I think we need to think about how are we emotionally connecting in the sense of 
you know, okay, I know I'm a former accountant. This isn't me, but you know, I'm for, for any someone listening. I'm a former accountant, and you know, I'm now I'm a wedding planner, and I know I'm approaching my um, my systems and processes with a level of detail that none of my com- competitors have. Now, who is going to resonate with that? The person who needs someone who's a detailed, who's going to cross all of the T's and dot all the I's and give them the spreadsheets, right? Like the right couple is going to just like fall in love with that. So. Yeah. Finding your own, you know, ways of emotionally connecting with those ideal clients, I think moving into the next phase of business and you leading with intentionality of how many weddings am I doing? What is the minimums and price points? How am I uh, going to be available? You know, our brand is our reputation and some of that is also a reflection of our boundaries. And I think that um, putting yeah. boundaries into place with our clients is going to be a huge part of us having healthy businesses and personal lives that are all positive and we should all bring each other into that as a community together. I agree. I want to, it's just like such a thing I've been talking about lately. And it's like at this end of the year, I mean, I don't know that we're recording this a few weeks ahead of time, guys. So as you're listening, just know that like, we actually don't know if we're heading into a recession. I don't know if that's what the media spin is actually is reporting or if it's real, but for as far as when we think about business growth and adding new services and offerings to our brand reputation, and potentially this, you know, recession. What do you think about all of those things combined? I mean, I definitely think that, you know, we have to get savvy going through yeah. uh, difficult times. And I don't think that there should be any shame with that savviness if you need to add a lower base package, if you need to add some of the a la carte things in as opposed to having a one-two package, right? So I think it's gonna be an interesting transition as it, as and if people feel more frugal. And I feel like that's gonna happen very differently across the US. Um, a good mm-hmm. way to keep in track of that is like what's happening with home sales. You know, Are people feeling more cautious? Are they being more engaged? If you're seeing that, then also don't make it come as a surprise, right? right. Like I think we're right. business owners who are intelligent. And I think that we have the opportunities to be like, what would someone want to invest in right now? And how do I communicate that value in a really robust way? Um, yeah. I think that there's an ebb and a flow to us being able to showcase our offerings in different hierarchy settings. So for instance, um, I have a stationer client who is going into the holidays wanting to make a little bit more money. She obviously is a a calligrapher as well, and she is actually doing calligraphy on ornaments. She's doing calligraphy on some gifting. She's doing some calligraphy on some, um, she figured out a way to do something on these like wood tray boards, which is so beautiful. And that being said, that is not a core product offering, right? Like this is her ability to use her skill set to apply to that and i applauded her with such passion because i think as small business owners sometimes we don't i don't know if it's we're concerned about what our peers are going to think but we end up holding ourselves back from the financial opportunities of the skill sets that we already have inherently in us right Exactly. And so I think thinking about she is still a stationer, she is still a calligrapher, but that's something that she's able to incorporate. And maybe it's a pop up on her website, right? Maybe it's four or five posts on her Instagram throughout the next um, few months just to help sustain her income and for her family. And I think that when I talk to people who are not in our uh, creative and wedding industry, they are all preparing in that same way. And I think that that is a puts a spotlight on us and the way that us as 
creative business owners, I think that we tend to operate out of passion and hobbyist application (laughs) as opposed to professionals. Because when you look at how other industries are preparing for a potential recession, they're spreading wider. You know, like for instance, one of a friend of mine was like, I, she's really into like FinTech and and things like that. And she's like, right now I'm thinking maybe instead of buying that piece of property, I'm actually going to buy a franchise in FinTech. And like, she's going off on this like tangent. And I'm just thinking, here is a woman who has lots of interests who can share those interests with the world on a wider way. And I know that everyone who's listening to this podcast has interests that may or may not be monetizing money, that you have the opportunity to spread wider and don't feel any shame about offering those things because they're not maybe associated with your brand business at this time. But I guarantee you, you know, your interests are part of your brand as a human that your friends and family would identify with that. And those things can be shared with the world in a beautiful way. I think it's more of this doesn't necessarily mean you're rehauling your logo, right? Or rehauling your website to do that. It might just be that pop-up. It might be an experiment of sending an email saying, hey, I've considered doing some consulting. Um, Is there, you know, I think I could take five spots. If anyone's interested, hit reply. You know, something as simple as that. Don't overthink it. Right after Wedding MBA, I taught a webinar about for wedding planners about how to um, look at this recession and, and sort of look at your packages and see, like, are they too restrictive? Am I not offering enough? Because like you said, you know, I, I know a lot of wedding planners who only offer full planning and, and I get it. I, I fully get it. But if we go into a recession, what are you cutting yourself off from? And are you making it harder to make a decent living by restricting yourself? Right. So I love what you said about the pop up. And I'm even thinking, too, like. You know, what about Valentine's Day? What about putting up a pop, like advertising to those people who are proposing, maybe helping people do Valentine's Day proposals, just something to have a little um, income boost doesn't have to be a whole new service package that you offer. I mean, that's a great idea. And that planner thing that you just mentioned, that situation, I think you are still, as a planner, known for full service. That is what you are known for. It is not controlling anything about what you do and how you do your best work. This is just an enhancement that allows those who maybe previously couldn't access you. Now, put boundaries around that. How many are you doing? What are the minimum order associated with that? And perhaps you can find value in ways to deliver value that are not um, costing you any additional time or money, right? Like where are things that you can infuse to really um, be able to showcase yourself in in a powerful way? But I think that, you know, it it takes savviness to survive uh, a reception (laughs) and we all just did it. And it was 10 times worse than anything, you know, we could have all imagined as small business owners. And so I don't think recession should bring any fear or concern. I think that we should just take the knowledge that we have and, and understand that we are in control of having adaptive brands and that there should be no shame, no shame in spreading wider and tapping into some ways that we can best serve others um, and still financially, you know, gain profits in that journey. I love that. So when we're thinking about this, this, you know, going wide with our brand and we're thinking about growth in that way, right? So wider growth and maybe not deeper growth for now. How do we prepare our brand for that? Honestly, I think the hard, hardest part is just doing it. <laughs> That's the hard part. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, just even reflecting on me and friends and, you know, the accountability, accountability groups that I'm in where we've had discussions about new offerings. It's like you need to figure out who it is that you're serving 
what you're delivering, what's the value associated with it. And then you can start small. Like you don't need to stand on the top of, uh, you know, the hillside of your community and scream down with a, you know, a flashing light and a uh, speakerphone. Like maybe it is you just sending that simple email or contacting a few people directly to say, give me some honest feedback about this. Um, does this maybe summarize what I could maybe, maybe offer? And then you just do it. You just put it out there, see what kind of feedback that you get as you probably reflect on any of you listening's past careers, our careers evolve from learning and trying and evolving. And I think the hardest part is just making that announcement or starting that first step mm -hmm. or giving it a try. And so a lot of it is intentionality and then just doing it. Let me ask you this question because I love asking all of my entrepreneurial friends this. How comfortable are you with risk? <laughs> my financial advisor also likes to ask this question when she <laughs> makes things for me. I, I would probably be, for me and my personality, a little bit more on the uh, more riskier side. Now, my husband, mm. who is an engineer and uh, a cloud architect, he definitely would lean into being a little bit more cautious. And I think yeah. that we have to understand ourselves in that process. You know, what does it take for us to know um, what we need to feel confident in making that first step. But I also think the self-reflection of why are we holding ourselves back? You know, where where could we, or where is the baby step that maybe we could take that would make us feel safer in that transition as well? But I think I'm definitely more of the risky person. <laughs> more risk. Yeah, I am, I am too. I am too. I am too. And but I feel like what's going to happen, right? I think right, everyone is, you happen? know, what's the worst that's going to happen? And I feel like I let in my younger portion of my career, let other people's, you know, opinions about me matter way too much that was holding me back. And so we're, you know, we're the driver of our own car and career. Yeah, I agree. I mean, my husband is the same. He's, he's far less tolerant of risk than I am. But every time I have a friend on who's like, well, just, just do the thing, launch the thing. I, I'm, I agree. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? I think we learn so much about our audiences and our, who we serve by offering them things, whether they take it or not, right? Sometimes you have to go out on a limb and say, this thing at this time, at this price, let's see how it goes. If no one buys it, is it a personal problem? No. But I do learn, you know, and I think if you don't mm -hmm. do those things, it's really hard to learn how to position yourself. Absolutely. And I think the, you know, talking amongst your small group or safe people is also so helpful because it is isolating being a solopreneur in a creative industry and especially yeah. in the event industry. You know, we're doing things and making decisions on our own. And uh, I think some of the best value I've ever gotten is literally just calling someone I trust and adore in this industry and saying, okay, well, let's just talk this through. Does this make sense? Does this align right. well with me? You know, and then I think that starting soft and then understanding that, you know, for instance, you know, it might just be when it goes back to like the visual brand and, and logo and, and brand identity, then it's like, okay, maybe it is as simple as I have a new tagline now that encompasses the secondary bullet point, right? And what are ways that I can make sure, you know, kind of self auditing, right? If I go on my website, do I feel like where are the holes that I could better express what it is in terms of vastness of what I can provide someone? Um, yeah. I know I'm guilty of that as well. We are so in our own heads to know what we're capable of, that sometimes mm -hmm. we aren't doing um, a service of putting it out there to share with others. And um, I talk to a lot of my consulting clients about having like pillars of content, you know, and it's really like, choose your five pillars. Well, how do you want to be known? And then making sure that you're in a routine 
basis, checking the box of making sure you're showcasing those pillars. Um, and that yes. can be a great way to just make sure that you're doing a, a good job of being able to articulate um, the ways in which you're able to help people. Yeah, I agree. And especially as we move into this new year, like think about Kaylee's five pillars, you know, this idea, if you don't know what your five pillars are, like, take a beat over this holiday season and like do some journaling. Like, what are the five things that you feel most strongly about? Like, they certainly don't have to be the same five pillars of the planner or DJ or photographer that you're in competition with. Like, they absolutely should be unique to you. Mm -hmm. And I will say, you know, in one-on-one -on -one conversations, I think that there's so much shame in um, unconventional combinations. One example is I have a friend who is, is and has been an international photographer for many, many years. During the pandemic, we had a discussion and he was like, I really, you know, what I'm missing is travel. What I'm missing is X, Y, and Z about travel and all of these things. And he realized, I think I might want to become a travel advisor. And he was like, how does this even make sense together? And I think mm -hmm. that through developing that, the asset in which he's able to be to a couple to say, I am a, you know, luxury travel um, photographer, but I also can help you with the travel because I've been doing this for the last 20 years, right? Like what right, a beautiful combination. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And then you have on the other side of that, I have um, a photographer who started getting interested in doing DJing and, and music stuff. And now she's able to offer both services, which sounds so disconnected, but I think how memorable is that, right? Like for me to be like, oh, I just met someone, they're a DJ and they're a photographer or they're a photographer right. and they do travel, right? So you being able to bring your interest to the forefront, um, I will be honest, Renee, like I have a great email list and every week I send everyone, you know, some things to think about with their brand and their business mm -hmm. and, and we get a great response. But you know what actually does better is on my oh. on Sundays. I send yes, my I was just gonna say, it's your it's your Sunday email because I yeah, love my Sunday you, emails, Sunday but emails. it's like you know I'm telling you what, I love cooking. I like maybe one day I'll make a cookbook or something. But um, you know I love cooking and I also love travel and I travel a lot. That's definitely a part of my brand and I thought it has been so eye opening for me to see that my community is so interested in the other aspects of my life and I think that I encourage all who are listening don't just limit yourself to your little bubble of what your business is known for right now, but where are areas that you personally have experience or value um, to share that might be an open door to whatever might happen in your in your career that you're able to build from? Yeah, I love it. You know, I used to think being like multi a multi-passionate entrepreneur before there was a term for it, right? I used to think like, oh, that makes you weaker, right? It makes you weaker as a as a I don't know who told whatever. us that, Renee, but it's so true. And I feel like right. <laughs> most small right? business like, owners I know really struggle with that. Right. Like when I started, it was like, just be one thing, stay in your lane. And now I'm like, screw my lane. I'm in every lane. And and it's interesting when people talk to me, they're like, how do you do all these things? I'm like, well, I have help, but also I get bored. So if I only did the one, if I only ever did wedding planning and didn't have a podcast and didn't have the education or the public speaking, I honestly would be a little bored with it. And I don't think that's, I don't have a lot of shame in saying that. Like my brain doesn't work that way. I like having the different things. And I also like you, I enjoy, I love cooking. I love decorating my house. I love Peloton. Like I love these, I just love them. I love all the things. And not that I'm going to make a career out of, you know, I don't know, Peloton, but like we should be able to talk about these things without feeling like, oh, no one wants to hear about that for me. It's like people actually do. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to connect and resonate with your clients and partners. Absolutely. It gives um, a deeper connection when there's a shared interest of sorts. 
Um, I think this brought up a, a thought in my mind about, you know, I think we're used to putting titles on things, you know, and kind of like I mentioned, photographer, planner, DJ, you know, whatever it might be, we're used to being able to communicate with ourselves with a title. And I think that we need to allow ourselves to also let go and have more of an elevator pitch for ourselves. Like our brand can be more about how we make people feel and how we impact people and, you know, more of that and less of, I do this one thing because we are multifaceted as people. And I think that we don't always do a good job of shining light um, on the things that make us who we are and make us incredibly good at the work that we do. Yeah, I love that. So in our notes, in our chat today, there's this phrase that I, I'm dying to hear you talk more about. You talk about being a lighthouse and shining for ideal clients to see you. What does that mm -hmm. mean to you? Well, this kind of circles back to what we were talking about in terms of, you know, working on ourselves, because what mm -hmm. happens is, to me, there are ideal clients at price points, at um, interests, who are looking for us. They are looking for the right vendors. And it is our responsibility as businesses to have our light shining on that lighthouse. So for those who are looking, they will be able to find us. And um, it is our responsibility to make sure that those people feel like they can see us, but also feel seen. And so part of that lighthouse analogy is truly understanding who it is we're pointing the light towards um, with intention, but also allowing ourselves the time to invest in our businesses to be able to market, right? Like what are ways that we can be a lighthouse? How can we get in front of them? Of course, a lot of us, are, it's, referrals are easy, right? But what are new ways where we can get outside of those circles? If it's marketing, if it's networking, there are endless opportunities for us to be a lighthouse, to be able to position ourselves for those ideal clients to see us. Yeah, I like the uh, I like the imagery of being a lighthouse because I talk a lot about visibility and for most people that's like it feels icky but like being a lighthouse. I don't know, it's just such an elegant metaphor. Well, and I feel like for me what I I think as a small business owner, we sometimes forget is we have value to provide someone. We can serve someone in a way that is priceless, right? Like what we're able to do for people. And so not thinking about it from the icky perspective of like trying to get in front of people, or I think that there's all these associations about like guerrilla marketing and just trying to catch one and, you know, or like <laughs> <Right>. the addiction, <laughs> the addiction of like just getting the person to say yes. Right. And I think right. that, you know, us having the mindset of like, we're like lighthouse, we have the power and ability with social media and our websites and SEO and, and marketing and advertising on the not and anywhere in these storefronts to allow people to actually just find us and in the interim, understand that us working on our businesses and creating a strong foundation and, you know, doing a little bit of polishing on our light and making sure that the the light itself is clean is going to do so much in terms of resonating and connecting and creating um, more longevity in, in our businesses um, in a really huge way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. What do you think moving into the new year um, is going to be like first and foremost for you? I am shouting from the rooftops networking <laughs> like it yeah, is remember a networking. free thing <laughs> yeah i mean honestly we i just realized how much value relationships were to helping me sustain and transition my business during the pandemic both 
you know, actual monetarily, but also just emotionally having those relationships alongside me. And I feel like for me, a huge investment is going to be time spent meeting new people, connecting, lifting each other up, bringing each other through. And I think that the time spent in relationships is what's going to make the impact in my business in the next 10 years. And I think that that is true for everyone. I'm encouraging them like, get out there if it's your local chamber of commerce, look at your WIPA or ILEA or Nate that's locally to you, or maybe you've always thought about going to a conference and maybe this is your year to really put yourself out there and be around others who get you fully and um, can help be uh, someone to lean on and also push you through, um, I think is the most powerful and most encouraged thing that I can give everyone. I love that. Yeah. Networking. It's networking was everything for me in the first years of my business. I mean, honestly, up until 20, up until we were not able to do it anymore, you know? And well, I think there's so many so, people who are like, well, I don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> right? Oh, right, and I think that right. if you think about it from like, I know it's so easy to just stay in our little circles. And especially if you're a vendor who only works in your local community, but once you're able to tap into new circles, you have a new demographic of people who can refer you. And I think, you know, networking is something that is never going to end. You never are too good for it or have too much of it or, you know, making too much money to not make that happen. If you're making too much money, then polish up your pricing and make more money like <laughs> keep going yeah. yeah i agree there's no there's no i don't know there's nothing that can take the place of a live interaction i mean we, i think we saw that you know weeks ago when we were at wedding mba together it's like it's just, just nothing like being meeting people in person getting to really know them see them feel what it is to be around them it's you learn so much about a person just by being in front of them Mm -hmm. And it takes 50 hours, I think, to make a friend. So the more that you can spend time with them at these networking events, the more you're going to be able to leverage having deeper relationships just broadly. Is that the stat? 50 hours? Mm -hmm. 50 spent oh, hours together is like when that's you actually amazing. can qualify someone as a friend. So oh God, I was just thinking about we spent a weekend with some friends this weekend and I was like, okay, we passed our 50 hours. Like, <laughs> you know, we're friends now. We're in front. We have inside jokes. We like, you know, know the things. So um, that's amazing. But... Yeah. I mean, I never thought of it like that, but yeah, I'm thinking of all my close friendships. I mean, we have way more than 50 hours, but making a new friend, especially an industry friend, especially as a grown woman is like, okay, how do we know? 50 hours. I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so neat and tidy. It's so neat and tidy. So, um, Kaylee, as we, you know, wind down this year, cause I think people are going to hear this early December, you know, if people are wanting to like take the time to work on, any branding stuff throughout the holidays? Do you have any tips, any tricks, any things people should be aware of? Yeah, so first things first, I definitely recommend just auditing your website. Like with fresh eyes, look at your site, um, make yourself a little list of things that you might want to tweak or adjust, or maybe there's some language that no longer reflects you, or you realize you never updated your pricing from your last uh, pricing sheet on your website, whatever it might be, just make those little changes. Um, I also think just figuring out like, my feet in the sand like i am feel get yourself grounded to really determine what it is that you want for next year not only how many clients but who are the clients and really leaning into some journaling of like what is really keeping them up at night what's important to them what would they spend money on and really getting into the mind of who those people are that you really want to connect with on a deep way and you're going to see really a beautiful client relationships moving forward when you can know them further and then also kind of like we were talking about with adaptability i want you to 
trust yourself. There's only one of you and your life experiences and what shaped you to today are all things that could add value to someone moving forward and um, be open-minded about how you might um, be kind of agile and adaptive when it comes to a potential upcoming recession and what it might look like to diversify your offerings. Yeah. I think pen to paper journal guys journal it mm -hmm. out. Like we're saying, like Kaylee's saying, like really look at that brand because you know, technically we're in engagement season, but who knows <laughs> between between Thanksgiving and, and Valentine's Day, you know, and we don't know what's we don't know what the new year is going to bring. And so all you can really control is your own storefront, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kaylee, this is, as always, a very, very, very wise and eye opening conversation. I feel like I had out. I'm like, I have lists of things I want to get done now. <laughs> Every time well, I, think, I talk to you, I leave and I'm like, oh, I have so much work to do. Well, as, as a brand and business strategist, I feel like to me, I'm like, I like brainstorming all day long. Like, it's like if anyone right. here needs to just brainstorm, just hit me up in a DM and we are going to make sure the best version of you comes out. Like, I just, I, I love it. And I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit too for what we've been through and, um, you know, the success that we've made. And so I think looking at what we've done and also with hope for the future um, and understanding that we can control whatever it might be that uh, our brand reputation is, is pretty powerful. Will you tell people a little bit about Brand Magic Society? Totally. So Brand Magic Society, I started out of the need uh, for seeing community for one, like networking <laughs> in our industry. You know, we don't know what we don't know. And so as a brand strategist myself and um, as someone who has a graphic design degree and a visual communications degree, when I see good design, I know it's actively working for people. When I see a functioning website, when I see a functioning pricing guide, I know it's actively making that person money and connecting with the right people. What I found was so many event professionals didn't have the resources and tools that were in my brain. <laughs> um, and so I created a community and we meet uh, once a week, but there are like also opportunities to get engaged in lots of different ways. Um, we do a show and tell. So people might be working in Canva and just saying like, is this hitting? Like, does this language make sense? Do we like this photo? Um, or they that. may be making changes on their website um, and they have direct feedback from people who also can help get them, you know, work smarter, not harder, right? So uh, you, I also do a weekly or a monthly Q&A. We bring in expert guests to talk about um, different things. We just actually had um, someone come on and talk about preparing for a recession and we just talked about buttoning up our contracts going into the next year. Um, and then I get to teach each um, each month about something. This particular month, so going into November, December, we're really gonna be talking about updating our websites, what needs to be on the websites to be updated. Um, and honestly, it's been one of the greatest gifts in my career to walk alongside these businesses. And some are new, some have been in alongside me for the last two years and seeing them scale and reach their goals is a pretty incredible thing to do as a community together. Um, and that is Brand magic society. It's a little sprinkle of a little sprinkle of uh, magic on top of um, all that we tend to do together. So, uh, oh. my most pro popular service is my branding audits, which many people listening probably know. Um, but really, which is one on one. But the community work, I think, is so wonderful since we're solopreneurs and we don't tend to mm -hmm. have that community and that office and that feedback um, and the know how to really set ourselves apart. 
And can people join that anytime or is it only open a certain time? We do application only. So anyone who's listening is welcome to send us an email at support at brandmagicsociety.com and we can send you the form and do a little interview. But if you're an event professional, um, if you're just starting or if you've been in business 20 years, there is a place for you to really thrive. I love it. Aside from Brand Magic Society, where else can people find you on the internet? Anywhere at Go Kaylee, G-O-K-A-L-E-I-G-H is my handle, um, Instagram and uh, all the all, all the handles for social media. And then my website is my name, KayleeWeek.com, K-A-L-E-I-G-H-W-I-E-S-E. Great. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. Kaylee, thanks so much for being a guest. And while I have you also, thank you so much for your sponsorship of Conference Confident and the Welcome to Wedding MBA Monday Night Mixer. You have been a delight. Oh, well, I've been thrilled to be a part. I love what you guys are doing at Wedding MBA in terms of the conference confident work, because again, we need each other, right? Like we get all this information and then it's like, what do we do next? And I think we really do need to lean into the accountability alongside each other. And I think Conference Confident does a wonderful job of providing those kind of resources to really get to the goals that we know that we're capable of. You know, it's just a matter of what are the steps to get there. So thank you for allowing me to walk alongside y'all. Oh man, we feel so blessed to have you. Friends, 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 thank you so much for being here with us. This is obviously one of my favorite things I do all week. And uh, I just think this conversation with Kaylee is so impactful and so needed, especially this time of year. So go give Kaylee a follow if you don't already. I'm sure all of you do. But if you don't, go give her a follow. (laughs) And uh, thank you for spending your time with us. I very much value that you spend your time with us. I know the time is the one thing you cannot make any more of. I will see you next week, same time, same place, friends. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.